0: okay welcome to this episode of hashtag pm in real life uh i'm your host chuck scott today i have the wonderful wonderfully talented april Wu as my guest so welcome april Hi. Hey. we are here to talk about april's business tell them your business name
1: it's Ian Spear Consulting. Ian Spear as I-N-S-P-H-E-R-E.
0: Awesome. And we are going to talk a little bit about how she got to running her own consulting firm. Uh, she plays in the ERP space, which we will discuss further. Uh, so without further ado, Ava, let's get into it. Uh, let's start with your background. Where are you from?
1: I am originally from China. I was born in China. I moved here to U.S. actually I went to school in Madison, Wisconsin. So, in the year of 2011 is when I moved here. So it's it's been a while. Okay.
0: And how would you get from Madison to Columbus, Ohio?
1: Yeah. So ever since I moved here, it's always Midwest. So I went to school in Wisconsin. I found a job in Chicago after I graduated, and then I found another better job back then back <laughs> in Ohio. So but that's that's what got me here.
0: Awesome. So, uh, what did you major in?
1: Uh, Actually, undergrad is economics okay. and the master is in accounting.
0: Okay. And talk a little bit about, you know, you get out of college, uh, what's the journey look like? What kind of jobs are you doing?
1: Yeah. So, um, so my first job uh, in Chicago that I got it is a tax consultant in Deloitte. So we're doing a research and development tax credit. It's like it's not not your like average tax c- consultant kind of thing Like mm-hmm. normally people would picture a tax accountants just filing tax forms like every day that's not what we do actually um gather a lot of data there's a lot of like interview that we do with customers to make sure what they do is qualify for that credit mm-hmm. so we, we do a lot of like interviews and taking notes it was pretty challenging actually back then for me as you know english is not my First language. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a lot of like very industry specific terminologies back then. We dealt with garment developers and, uh, you know, like people that's designing the equipment and machine. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of it's a, it's a true consulting
0: okay. job back then. So I find that um, a lot of people who have never been in the consultant space it's like this black hole, right? Like, and there's all types of different consultants out there, right? Um, so, you know, I kind of want to paint the picture a little bit about, one, just that transition from you get out of school, you're recruited by a big tour consulting firm, right? Like, which is kind of a big deal. Um, and an ideal for a lot of college grads, right? Because it's some very rapid experience. Um, you know, would you call it high pressure?
1: Oh, uh, for sure. I would say... Um... It's kind of like a big first thing. Like before I even got a job, it's kind of like a reputation there. Like yeah. I, I was expecting like overtime, and, you know, like overtime is kind of mm-hmm. uh, a normal life. So uh, I kind of already know what I'm getting into. But when I'm actually there, start so the experience, like uh, like a weekend would just go away from me by working or, you know, like a night when I get off work, like say seven and, you know, a couple of hours of um just eating. I don't like the browsing phones, and it it's already like night ten, and you know I still need to wrap some work up. Right. It was uh was that kind of a uh, day of life back then.
0: Yeah. So to paint the pictures for for the audience here, so uh big four consulting firms, so Kat, Jim, and I, uh Deloitte, who am I missing? PwC. DC. Who's it? Ernst er- 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 the Young? Ernst Young or EY er- is a for for to. Uh, you know they recruit a lot of talent talents fresh out of college um light nba grads etc and um you know it, they're very good paid jobs fresh out of college uh and the idea is that they have these relationships with these large corporations large corporations pay them uh huge amounts of money to come in and do some level of consulting whether it be um you know change changes to their organization changes to their operations uh you know finding ways of cost savings uh in this case taxes right um and the idea is that the consulting firm is bringing a wealth of knowledge and experience to be able to help usher in that change um and the hire tower, like april uh to be part of their army right like I, I always call it an army they bring an army of people and uh from a business standpoint the consulting firm is billing hours for every single person on their army right so april's one of those people that are you know lauding probably 12 hour days right um and you know the uh consulting firm is is making beaucoup money on this and um i think for the corporations the big game there is that everyone trusts these new commodities and these big four consulting firms um you know they trust that they're going to get the job done with this army of town and they throw in every single piece of work mm-hmm. uh, and the consulting firm has lots and lots of layers of uh, very senior level partners and sales teams, etc. And so they're constantly uh, looking for additional work and additional ways to add value at these clients to continue working, to con- continue billable hours, right? Right. In, in a nutshell, that's the um, big four consulting game. So, And
1: uh, really thinking about it, like, you know, I gotta pay the fixed salary, everybody does, mm-hmm. but, you know, they make us um, work over time, so but they got to bill already so exactly yeah th- th- yeah like big uh, profit.
0: I, I would guesstimate I would guesstimate that for every resource in the big four consulting firm uh they're probably profiting at least two hundred K off of each individual. Would you would you guess that?
1: Yeah, probably uh, even more than that. Let's say like an average um already they bill like the rate would be let's say two hundred dollars right. an hour and you know somebody fresh out of college they probably get paid um, you know, like a sixty to eighty k.
0: Yeah. So so I way low ball that. I mean, we're probably talking three four hundred k profit, right? Realistically, right. Um. So so anyway, um, that is the big four consulting game. So you are in one of these roles. You're you know with did you learn English. You mentioned English being the second language.
1: Oh uh, well, I there were like English as a required class to take. They mm-hmm. even had the exam you on that back in China and before i moved to where i could get into madison wisconsin i actually went to a chinese university which they actually teach in english gotcha, gotcha. so yeah i got a, i got a little prepared before okay. before i come here
0: okay um so you know like, gone through college got your big you got your dually job uh you consulting it's challenging but like you're making it through like you said long days but probably gaining a wealth of experience during this time right
1: for sure, for sure. I definitely feel like I've learned a lot. Um, the industries that you know, my clients are very broad. There's, like I said, like a um, like a closing developers, and um, there are like equipment developers, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just like a science people out there that we need to learn what they do day by day, so we know if they qualify for the tax credit. So yeah, that industry knowledge is definitely uh, gained tremendously. But I feel like accounting is just a a good um, subject, like a good major to have. Like accounting is really teaching you kind of day to day business transactions. It gives us um, um like a like a good business foundation.
0: Agreed. Um, you know, I was blessed to have a, a financial for about two years uh, when I worked for uh, L Brands, which is a parent company to Victoria's Secret, Bath Body Works, a couple other no brands. And, you know, it has blessed me in my career because everything has a financial element. Like, I don't care what you're doing in a business. For it all has a financial element. And you really need to conceptualize, like, how important it is that things take a tie from a financial element to everything that you're doing, whether you're doing the inventory, um, whether you're tracking, like, free charges, or whether you're um, even costing in mechanisms, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're just, like, savings as far as the way that you do your banking. And and we are talking the scale of large corporations, this translates to like millions of dollars. And I think that's a piece of people don't understand is everything is just, you know, we're talking a large enterprise. <laughs> Anything that's like one dollar but times it by a million equals a million dollars, right? right. Like Everything's just that much bigger. So um I agree with you that understanding of financial knowledge is key. And for me, like learning about uh SAP, which is a um which is a system a, a, a technical system. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put it in a lameness terms for non ite listeners. Um, it's a technical system, and ERP is essentially. I always liken it to, like in uh, anatomical terms, like the vertebrae of technology systems. Everything t- t- uh, plugs into it, right? Um, and so you you play it in this space. So I'll let you speak to it a little bit more in depth.
1: Yeah, so um, I mean, SAP would be a good example. is it's one of the top notch ERP, one of the popular ones. Like any like bigger company names, you can even think of like Apple, Google, um, Meta, anything you can think of. They're probably using one of the one of the ERPs, either SAP or um, Oracle ERP. So those are the the largest, the one targeting like a larger. Uh, companies. Mm-hmm. And ERP in general is just like a, a centralized database. A lot of people have heard of um, like a QuickBooks, um, but ERP, you know, QuickBook, whatever QuickBooks does, which is just bookkeeping or accounting side of it, um, all in place, a little parts in an ERP. And ERP can be applicable for like their sales team for CRM could be a module of ERP. Um, something accounting related could be a module in the ERP, something inventory management like doing your pick pack uh, ship or uh, receiving like inventory management like scanning through, that could be one part um, of a full ERP. Mm. So really like your entire company, if you're like a, um, a project-based service company, your project management or timesheet or you know billing based on the timesheet can also be part of an ERP. So ERP is really just like a centralized the database where you can have all the apps in there. That's
0: a great way of saying that. Um, you mentioned a couple of things in there. You mentioned CRM, which for those that don't know, it's customer relationship management. It's a way that uh, every company out there blasts your inbox right now with emails and ways of engaging you as a potential customer. Um, but you also mentioned modules. And I think that's a, a, a big thing for us here, here on. So I mentioned that, um, you know, ERP is essentially kind of a you you'd call it a database of information, in a way of processing. It's probably a better way of saying it than my anatomical uh, vertebrae, But modules are all parts and pieces that what would you say pull information out of this database and use them for different functions? Okay, yeah. So
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, so go ahead and explain a little bit. Like uh, you kind of touched on this, but explain a little bit more about modules and how ERPs are implemented and leveraged, Right, because. I don't know that you always implement all all mod- modules, right?
1: Yeah. So so the modules exactly like what you mentioned. Um, I would say it's kind of like a uh, think of the ERP as your phone. Okay. Uh, each module will be each app on your phone.
0: That's a great way.
1: So it, each module or each app have their own functionality. So normally an ERP has a lot of modules that are already like ready to go available. Um, However, that doesn't mean somebody else couldn't do better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just kind of like your your app store, like for one thing, there might be so many vendors doing that same app, Um, but, you know, they look different, they function differently, Um, same thing was in the ERP. Like ERP would have its own like app to cover that functionality already, but that doesn't mean somebody else could do a better thing and more specialized. So let's say at the ERP you would have um, say that uh, CRM, the customer relationship part. So um, like the ERP that I work on, uh, NetSuite, uh mm-hmm. which is an Oracle product. So NetSuite has its own built-in CRM functionalities. Um, however, there's always like Salesforce or hotspot mm-hmm. out there that specialize just in CRM. Um, people might like their feature better. There might be more. Um, advanced so people might have both their ERP but don't use the ERP CRM um, and they purchase an external CRM just like a connect to your ERP
0: yeah so, so I'm very curious how do companies go about selecting a ERP uh, and I'm going to preface it by saying SAP is one of the most popular ERPs out there Yeah. I find it to be one of the most clunky user tools ever admitted. Um, it's a German-based company, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think most of it, like, so to describe to people that have never seen SAT, it's got a lot of uh, blue screens, which I think you can customize <laughs> in different colors, but I, I remember seeing it in blue screens. Yeah. It's a lot of, like, words that don't even make sense. You just, like, <laughs> you just learn them over the time for your business function or whatever you're doing with it. Like, literally, it's still j- basically like a German thing, uh, you type in what's called T-codes for just about every function, um, at least in the financial function I did when I was in the financial hall. And these T-codes are things like 123FBLN. Okay. And you memorize them, right? Like yeah. And you're like, well, oh, I know that 123FBLN pulls this report for me. Oh. I need to do this function, right? So how you know why is it the SAP, I'm very curious, Like how did SAP become the god of the ERBs?
1: Well, actually, I'm not super sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really kind of like when I got into the industry, it's already kind of Mm -hmm. uh, there. It's kind of like, you know, why Microsoft is so popular in, you know, your your operating systems. It's kind of like, you know, they got into the market um, far enough or Mm -hmm. early enough to to get that reputation Mm -hmm. out there. And um, uh, it's the same thing with like big four, like not necessarily they're doing the best thing in the industry. There are some smaller vendors doing better, greater job for, you know, sometimes, but people still go to big four uh, just for the brand. Yeah. Or, or it's kind of like mm-hmm. that kind of a setting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you, you kind of touched on two things that I definitely want to pause on. So mm-hmm. you mentioned big fours. And you kind of touched on speed to market with SAP, right? Like being the first of its kind mm-hmm. in the market. My understanding is that with SAP, because it was so robust, meaning like it was so customizable, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's where it got its foot in That's my understanding at least. But again, I've never really deep dived into this. Um And there's something to be said about being there first, right? Like right. being the first of your kind um, and selling early and often and getting the masses to adopt it means that right like it's just in place and it's like it just gains more and more momentum
1: yeah Um, and if you start it you kind of like bring the whole industry standards like you know a lot of companies use this and then their auditors needs to be familiar with that mm -hmm. and then you know it's the the whole auditing industry is also part of it and the whole kind of talent market um, is there is ready to go so you know, it, it really just attract more companies to adopt the same thing just because it's a whole industry they yeah. are already
0: So, okay, so I had a piggyback question to that. So recently, Salesforce has grabbed a lot of market share in this space. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, like, why is that? Why, what was Salesforce able to do to pigeonhole itself in there and start expanding out into the market and become widely adopted at this point?
1: Yeah, for sure. I would say that Salesforce is also doing a really good, great job just specializing in the CRM part. Okay. So they would be, I would say there's not so many companies that are kind of uh, got in there and uh, really studying the industry and get a software, which is also cloud-based software uh, that can be customized into, you know, the whole um, sales market mm. or like the sales industry. So I would say they're also kind of a frontier that, you know, um, be called based, um, very accustomed into the industry and flexible for everybody that can use it, um, yeah. and just really like got into that market. Nice. Similar to SAT, but you know, like any ERP CRM is not necessarily, yes, robust. So they're like, let's do our own app that does the CRM. We can connect to a lot of other apps or like into your your website, collecting everything. So yeah, I think they they got their own platform um, just very comprehensively working for the
0: industry. Gotcha. Okay, so the second thing that you mentioned was Big Four, four, I always say accounting firms, but they also do consulting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Big Four consulting firms compared to smaller companies that offer similar services for far cheaper. So because we kind of delved into big fours earlier, I want to talk a little bit, because this is an ongoing topic amongst myself, uh, other people in the consulting space, uh, you being one of them, uh, how large corporations will often hire big fours at 20 times the cost, Versus a smaller company, you know, a small to mid-sized company like yours or mine uh, to do the same work, right? So in your opinion, what what is the reasoning behind that? I have my own, I have my own reason, but I'll you hear yours first.
1: Sure, sure. I mean, to me, it's really kind of like the, the branding where, mm. uh, again, they got into the market uh, so already, like hundreds of years or something. Uh, they already have the client base. Um, their accounting clients might as well just hire them for for something else if they offer. I think it's really like the relationship that they've gotten going for, you know, accumulated for that long time, mm-hmm. um, got them the easy access to it. Um, plus they're just doing like a lot of things, people would think they're more reliable. Just kind of like a if you're trying to buy a pair of shoes, um some people really like amazon because they they have prime they are like easy to return you just need to drop mm-hmm. it off like like whole foods so people might go to amazon just to buy a pair of shoes just because for that reason
0: customer experience exactly, exactly. Yep. yeah
1: they know what to expect
0: Makes sense. um you know i have this theory that you know if i'm an executive and i've got some major initiative for the year and i've interviewed you know the big four and i've interviewed mm-hmm and then spear right for the same work erp installation if i'm an exec i'm like uh, even if i had a relationship with you it's one of those things where it's like i mean if i go with deloitte and they fail everyone's gonna be like man deloitte messed up they're gonna ask for some big rebate on all those mm-hmm. costs right versus if it's if they go with inspire and in april woo and for some reason you feel not to say that you would but like it's almost like the executive is going to get fired because they're going to be like, why did you go off the board and Mm -hmm. hire a small company? Oh, okay. Uh, Even though your cost is probably like a third of what it would cost for Deloitte to come in with their army of, you know, junior level people fresh out of college to, you know, create PowerPoint decks all day. Yeah. (laughs) uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the four-back team making sure your border is is a bow with Exactly
0: yeah and so we're laughing because we know that behind the scenes that's the kind of stuff that you know consulting firms really harp on is like formatting has to be right fonts have to be right like everything has to be absolutely perfect because the last thing you would do is lose a customer or client you know let them get hung up on the fact that you misspelled something or you know the border is not you know it's two inches on one side and and 1.2 inches on the other side right like that's the kind of exactly. stuff that, you know, believe it or not, in corporate America sometimes becomes a conversation. And it's distracting from the uh, greater the greater uh, project itself, right? For sure. Um, so, yeah, it's funny you brought that up. <laughs> okay, so let's get back to the entrepreneurial journey, right? So um, you're working for Deloitte. How long do you work there?
1: I was there for uh, about two years.
0: Okay, and then you decided to go to?
1: Uh, then I actually just quit with a job line up. Okay. So that that was a that was actually one of the harder times that I experienced in my life, actually. Mm-hmm. So back then I was, a, um, I actually you know part of it is also my you know my ignorance uh, starting off a career with um, like no good mentor or mm-hmm. like no good sense because I was also in another country all by myself. Like you know my parents wouldn't know. What to do because it's a different culture, country, different culture, um, different like a work life style. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty much like on my own. And back then, I don't have a good sense about like upward management or like setting my boundaries or anything, kind of really acting or like um, with a sense managing my career. Um, so I didn't manage it very well to, to be you know, frankly, but also it was also, um, kind of a uh, not so friendly setting let me put it that way uh, where I also feel like I'm very supported you know to to advancing my career um, I think billable hours means more uh, for sure back mm-hmm. then so I was under a lot of pressure back then and something you know big happens in my family as well um, and I don't feel like I'm also emotionally supported um, back then as well mm-hmm. um, and I was just really kind of under too much stress. Um, I feel like it's a, it's a point for me to quit before, you know, b- before my mind quits me.
0: <laughs> so. No, it makes sense. Uh, I talk about this a lot in just career development. Uh, I, call, I I have this theory I call it protecting one swag. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to come up with a fun acronym for swag. But basically, like, it's your confidence level, right? And I know you, you can probably speak to this being a consultant, the level of confidence you have to have to move in and out of corporations Mm -hmm. in and out of environments new clients etc sell yourself as an entrepreneur like it's an extreme amount of I'm gonna call it positivity and energy that you have to have yeah and you know working for a big four like you can get beat down to the point where you start questioning your own abilities exactly and and, and I personally feel like if you lose that you know I've watched people like it might take them a decade to get that back like our, our careers are only going to be thirty, maybe forty years, right? Like, yeah, you don't have a decade to spend like finding yourself.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I feel like you know what we define life. I think life is just time plus energy, mm, and it's, I love that it's limited for every every single person or life. So every life has you know defined and limited time and energy. If you consume it unwisely, that is consumed. You never get it back.
0: Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. I'm going to dive into that a little bit more. We'll be right back. Hey, IT execs. Do you have a project in the red right now? Does it feel a little chaotic, almost like the house is on fire? Probably because it is. It doesn't have to be this way. We can do IT better together. I'm Chuck Scott, Scott Q Consulting. My team of experienced professionals will run directly into that burning house. That's what we specialize in, bringing that VP level of experience all the way down to the execution team. Schedule a meeting with me today. Chuck Scott, Scott Q Consulting. I believe that we can do IT better together. Okay, so we're back. So you said something brilliant that I want to dive into, April. So you said basically, say it again. It said,
1: yeah. So to me, like the time be, sorry, life means time and energy, and it's limited for every single life. And if you spend it all wisely, you 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 won't get it back.
0: That's it's it's brilliant. I love that. I, mean, I love that. I'm probably gonna steal that. So <laughs> um, no, I think that I think that's a very important and uh you know, I'm big on time being a uh essentially a um, I call it my currency, right? Like I spend yeah. the time doing things that matter to me. Uh it it's weird. To me, time is more valuable than money. I would rather spend money to buy time than Spend time to get money. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think that's the the very entrepreneurial way of thinking.
0: Yes, yes. So okay, so great. Let's get back to speaking of entrepreneurial, Let's get back to the journey. So you quit this, you quit the job from Deloitte. Um, you know, you're in a foreign land. Don't have family here. So you know, how long are you without a job? What are you doing? Like, how are you maneuvering this very ambiguous space that you're in?
1: Yeah, so it was actually even you know, harder for me. So a lot of the immigrants would know know this, like you know the the work visa is a it's a lottery thing, and like you don't get it for sure. So back then, I don't even have a work visa. My work authorization is actually through um, a school that I signed up for. It's an MBA program that right. provides that that visa. So as long as I can, you know, work on something, like even a a friend of mine that has a company and let me volunteer there, uh, that qualifies for that work visa. So really between jobs, you know, that I, you know, luckily know a friend that has a company and he can, you know, sign me up to to be just a volunteer or something. I I do work on something for him, um, but never minimal. Um, so that kind of got me sur- survived through. It really took me three months to, to land on my next role, which is actually a contractor role, which pays less than what I make back in school. I was, a, I was a tutor for athletes okay. uh, back in school, uh, and you know, they, they pay me pretty well for that. Mm-hmm. And that job that I landed on, you know, I thought I would have on something much better with the big four experience and stuff. Um, but not really. That, that was something that I, I got and I have to take on to to move out with life. So, uh, luckily, while you know I'm working on that job, the contractor job, uh, I met my husband, who okay. was luckily a citizen. And um, eventually, you know, we we got engaged, married the priest soon after our first date. Which, by the way, is uh is on the Halloween.
0: <laughs> so. Really? Well, congrats. We are recording this on Halloween, 2023. So, uh, well, congrats on your anniversary.
1: Thank you. How many years? It's six years.
0: Congrats. Thank you. All right. So, and you're still in Chicago at this time. Yeah. Yep. In the story. Okay.
1: Yeah. So. It was still Chicago, uh, and we we met, and uh, that contractor job was actually a 10th because they're. Their full-time employee was on maternity leave, so I was only there for, uh, for a sub. Um, I started that role sometime October, and then, you know, basically they told me, well, only need you till end of the year. So by the end of the year, it was 2017. Uh, I went to look for another job, okay. uh, which luckily, I think I did pretty well. Like The manager was impressed, um, and he actually kept urging that staffing company, like, can you find April something else? Can you find April something else? And eventually, they found me something else, and um, I-, I got another contractor role. Okay. All right.
0: Cool. So so you get another contractor role, um, and this is – are you still like in the financial – Realm or you okay? So you're still in the finance realm.
1: Uh, finance, but luckily the the row role I've, I kept getting on are kind of like an analyst kind of role. Mm-hmm. It's not like you know I'm just doing accounting, um, booking journal entries all day or just doing taxes all day. It's kind of like a analysis thing. So there there are sales that I work on, data that I work on, and report I generate. Um, and the second contractor job I got actually um, is ERP-related. Okay. So they were having some trouble with ERP and, you know, like something didn't go through the right way, so we have to keep adjusting the journal entry, to mm-hmm. adjust it back. So um, that's that's why they hired me because they need somebody to keep adjusting those. Mm. Um, but when I'm there, I kind of uh, went through the whole flow like hey what it should be and what it's doing right now that you know got this um got me this job even (laughs) which they they really shouldn't have that experience had everything set up right um so i basically looked through the whole thing and i did some like flow charts kind of voluntarily uh it's not even part of my role yeah i just did that voluntarily and i gave them a flow chart like hey this is what it should be this is what it is like right now. Um, you know, if you guys got a fix, you don't need me here and go <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> so I definitely want to pause on this because um, one of the things I love talking about is career development, entrepreneurialism. And you kind of touched on something that I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, you know, I have this theory that a lot of people get into jobs and they really can't solve the puzzle of why haven't I been promoted? Like, and some of it comes down to exposure, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like people get caught in the cycle of, hey, that's not my job. Let me stay in my lane. Um, and especially, you mentioned, like, you know, immigrant mentality earlier. And I feel like um, immigrant mentality, minority mentality is like our parents' generation, our great generation, a lot of times they tell us things like, you know, keep your head down, don't ruffle feathers. And, you know, you just described stepping out of your lane, doing something that wasn't asked to you, but you recognize a need which equates to exposure because it's adding value, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, you're, you're diagnosing this problem, which cheerfully, for you. are eliminating your own job if you solve
1: it. Right. Um, and
0: a theory that sounds uh, counterintuitive, right? Because if you don't, they'll lead you, they'll pay you. But in reality, and I think this is what breeds uh, good consultants is, you solve problems like that, that's what people will pay for and that's why people pay or hire consultants because they literally eliminate problems. Um Yeah. And I feel like there's this imaginary line in the sand between employees that don't know how to get promoted and they do jobs that are competitive. And every week that jobs should to be there and someone says, Hey, systemically we have this challenge. We need someone to manually intervene and that's your job. And they're like, Yep, every day I'm gonna show up Monday through Friday and I'm gonna do that thing. And next week I'm gonna do the same thing and they never ever try to solve it, right? Like I feel like that line of the same is people like yourself, like me, because at one point, you know, multiple times I've eliminated my own job, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's a mindset, right? You're like, you're like, this is silly. Every week I come in and I do the same thing. When I dive deeper, here's the flow. Oh, look, there's the gap. This part right here. If we fix that, this job goes away. This problem right. goes away. So I love, that it's like, I love that you did it. And that's an exposure thing where like people in upper management, they pay attention to that. And what's your quote? Something to the effect of you will be paid uh in proportion to the amount of problems you solve. Not that you perpetuate, that you solve. Right. so that's really what you described there was solving a problem, eliminating the problem. Exactly. Um and, and again going back like full circle to what the consultants really do, they eliminate problems. Like they're not there to be ongoing, you know, I'll call it production support or ongoing, like, you know, they're not doing the ongoing job. They're there to solve a problem or deliver a good and then they move on to the next thing.
1: Definitely, definitely. I think that's also tied to like uh, what we talk about lies, It's uh, it is time and energy we you know people like us probably don't want to you know keep spending our time and energy which is ex- extremely valuable uh, on the same thing for the rest all, of our lives
0: no so. I maybe mean, honest, April. I hate that I despise them like I struggle with things like laundry and dishes yes. because <laughs> like they're they're never hidden, but like I hate them because of like I should be able to solve
1: this. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. I feel like anything I can walk through in my mind before I actually do it, I I kind of like don't like to do it. that exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's,
0: because it's an old challenge, it's an old problem, it's never-ending. You can't solve for it. You're like, ah, i would to deal with it, right? Like, right. People, you know, consultants mentally want to like resolve problems once and for all, right? Um, so I, I definitely been the circle back to that one. Okay. So back on our, our career journey here. Um, so, okay. So you're back to working you're still in the financial space. Um, okay. So what's going on next?
1: Yeah. So, so I was trying to solve that thing, which, uh, which I presented to my manager and the senior manager. And, you know, it's a, uh, unfortunately a really, really, really big, maybe international company. They're just too big and, you know, big corporate, they normally have the layers of decision-making before one idea can be implemented. Mm -hmm. So, um, I advocated that for, for a long while and my senior manager was advocating, but, you know, between then to when that idea actually gets implemented in the company, it actually happened after I need that company already. Um, so, uh, we got married and, um, I was able to get my, my green card, um, pretty soon. So I'm like, Yeah, I've been kind of drifting for a while. Let me just get a stable full time job that I like. Uh, So I took on a full time job. Uh, It was actually a Netsuite administrator. Um, So you know that's kind of like how I got my foot into the industry, Mm -hmm. the ERP industry. Um, So I left for that company before that idea is even you
0: know getting worked. Gotcha. Okay, so now you're in the ERP space, so...
1: Oh, actually a funny fact. So after like a couple months, I left that company. My idea got implemented, and my old team was eliminated.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah. Because you solved the problem.
1: Right. And my manager had to leave. Yeah. You,
0: <laughs> so, okay, so really quick, I, I want to also talk about this. So I don't know if this is true for you, but in my circles I wrote in, you know, I, I, I would say, less than 10 percent of my my social circles are entrepreneurs and so you know oftentimes i hear things like man i can never be a contractor i can never do that i need to know where my paycheck's coming from six months from now 12 months from now and i often say things like you just said you know you never know when your team's gonna be eliminated your job's gonna be eliminated um i personally feel like the risk factor is the same whether i'm a full-time employee or a you know, self-employed person, right? Um, and in some ways, I feel a little bit more stabilized being entrepreneurial because they hire me for a job, and you know, if it's a six-month job, a twelve-month job, for all intents and purposes, they probably want that job done, <laughs> um, unless like the economy's go- gone, you know, belly up, or that company's business has gone belly up. Mm-hmm. For the most part, like when they hire you for a job, you're going to finish that job. Yeah. Um, so, Al, what's your take on it?
1: Yeah, so I would say I I definitely agree. I feel like if if you're like a kind of adapt to that, you have to constantly making sales. Mm -hmm. I think that's the part where, you know, full time job employees are most afraid of. Um, I mean, which is also what I was afraid before I hop off. Yeah. So, you know, the, the main thing is like, hey, what if I, you know, get something, I get it done and I never get the next one? Or like, I don't know how long before I get the next one. Uh, that's where the main scare comes from. But if you're already adapting into this uh, growth and you're constantly building your pipeline, things like that, um, it would mitigate the risk. Like if you're just a full time employee, you probably don't do much like in networking or like constantly thinking of like your pipelines feels pipeline. Sales pipeline. If something hits, and your team got eliminated, then it's a bigger risk because you lose the whole thing.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay, so I want to make sure that we get to like you being self-employed. So
1: yeah, so so the the next the full-time job that I got that was still in Chicago. That was my last job in Chicago. Um, That one uh, didn't go very well because I guess I was too kind of a Mm consulting-minded or entrepreneurial-minded. Uh, where my manager kind of see me as a threat and and by the way my previous job was uh was kind of too boring (laughs) because i have to you know kind of repetitive repetitively doing Wednesday i actually took some time to learn coding myself okay so you know which lined me up to that role which i i know accounting and coding and i was able to uh, automate some excel process which usually take two full-time people a whole day so 16 hours to build that report
0: mm-hmm.
1: well i got uh, like a excel bba like a macro in where you click a button you just let it go and you know it will get it done in an hour or something
0: yeah not the point not the point of this conversation but basically what she just described there is what everyone's afraid of in the ai world it eliminates a lot of you know i may call it um automatable jobs, right? Like, to your point, if you're you're spending, you know, two people are spending eight hours a day to create generate a report and there's no analysis happening in that, that can be automated through macros and other things. Um, And, you know, to your point, some lightweight development work, maybe, but for the most part, those jobs, you know, are in jeopardy. You need to be able to harness those tools and do uh, human analysis on top of the actual act and just generate the report and drive value. Okay, I don't want to stay there because this is not an AI conversation. Okay, so now, so, you know, everything you talked about, April, is with ID the entrepreneurial mindset. You know, you're adding value everywhere. You're looking to eliminate roping processes um, to solve problems once and for all. Um, You know, when you have bandwidth, you're looking to add value in like even the personal investment of new skills. Um, and, And, you know, Quite frankly, those above you get threatened because if they're not of the same mindset, you're quickly rising where they're being stagnant, right? right. So they see that gap closing, um, and you're getting exposure, positive exposure, through the fact that you're solving problems adding value, right? Like these are all the things that drive towards both consulting and entrepreneurialism. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think I think at this point in the story, have you moved to Columbus yet?
1: Uh, no, no okay. that was the last job. So, so my manager started to see me as a threat, and as he started to block me from, you know, a lot of uh, project meetings that are, you know, good projects. So I feel like, you know, I, I'm not getting um, upward sponsorship mm-hmm. to to move up. So I'm like, it's probably a time to to move on. And uh, nowadays, you know, next week is a good industry. So. If you put the word net suite in your LinkedIn or resume, people is going to you know, reach out to you. Mm-hmm. So I got reached out by uh, some recruiters, um, and this one of the jobs that they presented um, is the one in Columbus. Okay. So uh, it was a consulting role, uh, which I think I would like better because I can talk to more people and have more influence mm-hmm. um, footprint. Um, so I decided to move on and take the consulting job and luckily my husband was supported enough. I mean, it's a really good job. It, yeah, yeah. it makes sense for the family. So, um, he moved here with me as well. Okay. I was actually, uh, raised in Chicago for, yeah, for this whole life.
0: Basically. So you guys lived at Columbus. uh, the NetSuite job goes well.
1: Yeah, it, it went really well. I was actually the first consultant for, for this company. Um, they just signed their very first implementation deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody has done any NextSuite implementation in the company. Um, So I was there. It was actually the rescue. So they engaged NextSuite, Oracle Nextway. They wasn't able to get them nice for more than a year. Um, And I was there. I was there with my manager. She's more kind of like a project manager. Mm -hmm. I was able to kind of dig into, like, hey, can we be crafty and, you know, get this functionality or get this process automated for these people uh, or, like, get some custom PDF that they want to print out? So I was there doing the kind of crafty stuff, um, and we were able to get them live in three months.
0: Okay, so let me let me make sure to close some of these gaps here. For those of you outside of the IT space, um, sounds like some other company hired... Um, uh, I'm sorry, the client hired another company to do his NetSuite install. Uh, for whatever reasons, parts and pieces were working. Think of you've got a car, but your transmission doesn't work, right? So the engine don't really have a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, you know, it sounds like the company and the implementation partner had parted ways, and now they hired April's company to come in and do a rescue mission of sorts, exactly. or what I like to call red projects uh, and recovery projects, uh, which You know, are never fun, quite frankly, because, you know, you're coming into a war zone, basically, that has already been, like, napalm, the nuclear bombs landed. It's a a disaster. You're right. You're expecting to, like, brick by brick, put this together uh, and somehow keep people fed, clothed, and sheltered. Is is that a good way to describe it? Like
1: For sure. For (laughs) sure. Yeah. Like a momentum or, like, you know, people have faith in something. They... Um, When they engage the previous company, um, they probably expect, like, they promised, like, hey, we're going to get utilized in three months, and then they were looking for that, but that never happened for a year, so they're like... Oh, what well, this new people really keep their promise again, or it's the same thing? So they don't know how much energy to even allocate.
0: Yeah, so there's that word energy again. But I, I was going to say this: there's a level of PTSD that has also happened. Right. I mean, to your point, the client is beat down because they got this bad implementation for a year. They probably been working like long hours to only have no success. So like the wow right. is down. And exactly. so that's part of the role too of a consultant is to bring the energy somehow like ignite the joy back into these people's lives yeah um and just so like i always say this like when i say brick by brick really it's like you need to get a quick win and then you just need to keep like running with that momentum and you see like the light come back in their eyes right like every day and then they start like kind of gravitating towards you as a consultant because they they just haven't had like anything to be excited about for a long time and yeah. so here you are leading the charge through this, like, ambiguous situation. You're like, okay, well, we made it to here. We just need to get over there. That's not that far away. So let me help guide you guys there. And, like, just getting that traction, building the trust back up, um, you know, removing some of that, like, PTSD that they're all they're all experiencing of, you know, like, I don't know if this is going to work because the last one didn't work. So, you know, the role of consulting, yeah, I love shedding light into the world of consulting because... I think you will have a perception of what consulting is. And it's so multifaceted that I love talking about it or on the, on the podcast here. Sana. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: It's a mindset.
0: It is a mindset. Total mindset. And you know, you wear so many hats of like, like it's a cheerleader and coach and, you know, um, it, you know, sometimes you're a mentor and just all sorts of things, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, sure. Okay. So you're doing this recovery project. Sorry. I'm derailed there.
1: Oh, no, no, that's, that's all good derails. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so like you said, we're like running into like a, a very um uh deserted land where they have no hope and we, we really need to get something in. Uh I actually I ran into a quote earlier when I was browsing LinkedIn. It says perfection sometimes is forbidding it getting done. So in this situation that we got in, we just need to get it done. So we promised this three months and you know I I worked my ass off, like I worked, I don't know, like till 3am till in the morning and I don't care. I just wanted to keep my promise. Mm-hmm. So um, we're really like throwing a lot of hours there. And uh, luckily we get the uh, management team sponsorship. So people do give us a, a attention and, you know, we are there on site every day. They see us there every day, working out their stuff. We talk to a lot of people. Throughout the company, we have meetings throughout the day. We send them updates every day. So they see the progress. And we kept sending them like, hey, go live, no change, still this day. Go live, no change, still this day, every week. So they started to know like, oh, this is really happening. And at least people are getting that happen.
0: Yeah. So you're speaking to the project management element and the, you know, what are our dates? What are our milestones? Are we gaining traction? Are we still on track? It's the early and often communication, the transparency, all those things, you know, help undo that PTSD because chances yeah. are that last uh, implementation partner probably was not doing these things. They were told like, you know, like, yeah, we're going live in six months or three months or whatever it was. It, you get there, it doesn't happen. And then you just in this like storm, right? right. Um, it, the storm lasts a year only for you guys to part ways and no deliverable happen. Um, sure so yeah that's a great um i love that you described that it's such a great way okay so recovery project happens with the next uh next thing that you tackle
1: yeah so that's really uh it not boost not only boost the customer's confidence it also boost my own confidence about myself because i went there i you know i learned basically the whole new thing all by myself on job uh, and I basically train myself, I figure things out all by my own. Uh, I, I feel a good relationship just between me and that piece of software. Mm-hmm. So from there, I kind of feel like, oh, I, I think, you know, th- this could be my career. Um, so from there, I stay with the consulting firm. Uh, they got new customers for like support, like they're already live, but mm-hmm. nobody's like, kind of answering their questions or getting their, their issues solved. Uh, quickly. So we got some support projects and another implementation, brand new implementation, uh, which I actually did it all by myself with um, with one of their uh, finance hats. So two of us got, got them Live. Um, and uh, eventually COVID hit and mm-hmm. their sales is not going so well and they decided to end the entire next week
0: service. Line. Oh wow.
1: Yeah so so I had to to find another job, which wasn't so hard, because like I said, you know, that's what happens are in demand uh, nowadays. So I was able to land on another job. Okay, that's the next job before I.
0: So the so so to summarize, April, you've had this um this role, this consulting role, where you're just all day long with on different hats. You're learning all these rapid school skills your customer facing right like you're right. in the trenches with the customer yeah and i think i feel like this is around the time that we met right because um so we met at a speaking engagement um for a mutual colleague of ours uh, day cherry and you know april and i get to talk the afterwards and she's telling me all these uh i'll call it war stories and she's telling me how she's thinking about you know doing something on her own right and you know, I'm hearing her tell all these war stories, and I think I said something to, to the effect of, "I mean, you're you've already lived the life, essentially. What's <laughs> <Right>. stopping you?"
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was definitely a very inspiring of that section that I attended, and uh, and thank you again for 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 saying that. I kind of feel like I, I kept wanting to to do it, but kind of uh, also self doubting, mm. at the same time. And you say, like, I think you're ready, really make me feel like, oh, maybe I am. Like, oh, my, someone told me I'm ready. Like, you know, like, maybe I'm ready. <laughs> so it's kind of like just that uh, assertive sentence that yeah. you said <laughs> um, really made it happen.
0: Yeah, though I felt like you were on the edge of the cliff to jump off into entrepreneurialism full time. Uh, I maybe gave you a little nudge, but, if you know, just from talking to you. You, you sounded so like you've already lived most of life i think the only thing that you ended up was and you touched on this earlier the sales portion of it right like really going out there and create your own sales pipeline which you know to your point that does hold people back people are afraid of what if i can't sell what if i get one client and then like there's no more work and i can't find another client like those you have know, real concerns but you know it's a it's a growth process um i tell people all the time no if you are going to be an entrepreneur If you don't have a sales element to you, you need to hire someone that can because it doesn't matter how skilled you are. Or if you have solved like the mysteries of the world, if you have no one to sell that, like it's dead. (laughs) It's a dead idea. It doesn't matter. You have to have a sales pipeline and a client base to sell it to. Um, You see this model all the time. All these great companies that we know typically have two... um, two co-founders right mm-hmm. and when you really get to know these people one is the technical person if it's a technical you know product and the other person is the salesperson. Sales, yeah. <laughs> um and you know typically the salesperson kind of morphs into a CEO role of sorts like a chief operating role but realistically their value is in the ability to find a market to um, To sell that product to, yeah. Um, I think about Zuckerberg and Facebook, right? Like his roommate became that kind of like salesperson that he eventually, you know, they had a legal battle about, you know, over the ownership of it and whatnot. But like initially, that person would be the beating the pavement per se all over the country, all over the world, Mm -hmm. finding basically like investors uh, and buyers for this product of what they were creating, which we now know is social media, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And just the power, you know, the ability to articulate the power of that and what that leads to the world where they can, could change the world, you know, they're, they're really familiar in selling this new piece of software and technology. So anyway, back to, um, back to your journey, right? So, um, so you step out there, how do you get your first client?
1: Uh, so my first client is actually the final trigger that got my, you know, resignation letter um so it's a it's another contractor job so kind okay. of like a um kind of like get very thirsty for like a full-time kind of stableness for a while and then you know now i'm trying to hop me off again um so it, it's a it's a three-month contracting and it's actually in chicago so so i had to move to chicago for for another three months mm-hmm. um but i got that contract um and you know just to be very transparent here um, my my last full time was paying me y thirty k a year, and then uh, this new job is paying me hundred dollars an hour. So um, I kind of feel like, hey, even if it's just like three months, let's say you know, for my face in the industry, let's say the maximum gap that I would have from the next contract would be a month. I think whatever I make here comparing to my, my previous role, you know, it wouldn't make me enough for, for four months. Yep. So I only need to work for three months, but I make four months worth of money. Um so, you know, that kind of justified it and I feel like, hey, I can I can bear one month yep. gap, I can travel or something. So so I took on that one and I decided to to resign. Okay. Um but luckily the market was really going well that while I'm working on that one, Uh, some of my old customer actually came back to me because my previous employer don't do that anymore. And uh, they came back to me, and I got somebody else reaching me on LinkedIn, and I got more like staffing company reaching out to me on LinkedIn for like contractor jobs. So, you know, my LinkedIn got busy, and I feel like... Yeah, made it a good decision. Yeah. A good decision to hop off.
0: Yeah. So I had a very similar experience uh, back in 2018 when I started my consulting firm. And I had similar concerns. What if, you know, I can't sustain the sales pipeline? What if I had gaps in between? CheerPoint became significantly more than my full-time job. But still my concern was I don't have a six month gap or, you know, whatever. And I quickly found out that, like, you know, CheerPoint, LinkedIn starts buzzing, right? Like, and my problem wasn't keeping myself employed. My problem was now a scalability problem. Right. So let's talk a little bit about how did you, you know, overcome this, what I call scalability problem. Like, you know, the, the best case scenario has happened. You have sales, you have clients. Yeah. Now how do you scale to match all their needs and demands?
1: Yeah. So actually, uh, so after I realized I need to, I need to hire someone. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, I was looking for somebody like a part-time. Because I actually, I did some part-time, you know, when, when I was working full-time, there were some site, site projects that I work on. No. So it's pretty easy. Like, if I can do that, somebody else can do that. I just need to find a good resource. Um, so next you know, just a little bit more about the industry itself, Oracle NetSuite put a really, really big support center in uh, in the Philippines, in Medina, Philippines. Okay. Um, so they have a lot of people, like a well-trained um, and have dealt with, you know, client-facing before. Um, so I actually reached out to a staffing company. Actually, they found me on like there. I like, didn't, you know, at the right, t- right time when I was looking for people. Um, somebody reached out and, um, you know, we had a conversation and he was able to find somebody for me. And, um, you know, the hourly that I wouldn't pay is very, very reasonable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can still make some kind of a profit margin, Yep. Uh, by having a, um, a part-time um, helper so that's you know when i start to to recruit somebody in my team and soon after, uh, you know it gets busier and busier and i wanted to delegate something else i converted that part-time to a to a full-time group still
0: so i want to pause here you know the whole reason people listen to podcasts is because they're finding inherent value in it and it's free knowledge so I w- I want to give you guys a word of advice here uh, the Philippines and you know virtual assistants are a walk-in cheat code right now Um you know the resources that are in the Philippines uh, and I'm going to shout out my virtual assistant Edward who's going to edit this podcast for me shout out Edward um you know edward's been a godsend to me in my in my business uh he is a virtual assistant that is you know he's educated uh he's the equivalent to you know what i would call an nba graduate here stateside and he can work wonders in the plethora of different things like his his knowledge is wide um and he can go deep on things but i love that he's wide so i can throw things to him like podcast editing or research analysis or Build me a spreadsheet or rewrite something like you know, and you know, on top of that, like now we have Chat so between Edward and Chat GPT, like I'm, ba- I'm gaining back my currency of time every which way I look. Um, and he's, he's wonderful to work with, and we've been able to establish a great relationship over a number of years. Um, so shout out to Edward there. Um, but I definitely wouldn't talk about that. Like, you know, what you're talking about, April, is quite frankly, how small businesses. Quickly scale Mm -hmm. and for at affordable cost, and it's minimal. Uh, minimal. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you're not tied down to a full-time employee, right? You can start with five hours a week, 10 hours a week, because they can service multiple clients at once, and they're comfortable doing that. They can juggle a lot of things at once. Uh, but they're highly talented, great resources, and you know, uh there are staffing companies that work out in the Philippines that can, you know, pair you up with the right person with the right skill sets for what your business needs is tailored to. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So so go ahead. So you're saying how you're converting your person to a full timer?
1: Yeah, so I converted her uh, to a full timer and we got we got another implementation uh that she and I did. Uh what I do find out that that start to be, you know, kind of like a my my journey of um the whole hiring uh stuff um mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to, to find good people mm-hmm. um, to be honest and sometimes you know they um mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like you might also start to doubt like um, mm-hmm. if i let her go would i find somebody better like or or is all like that so i think that's another kind of a leap of faith where uh, you just have to trust that there are people better out there. There, If you're looking for a specific kind of people, you just need to put the time and the effort to, to search. Yep. Like never stuck with somebody that um, you're not happy with. So um, she was kind of, uh, she was too near to begin with, but her attitude is also uh, not the best suitable for the company back mm-hmm. then. So it struck me, struggled me so well because she's my first employee. Plus, it's kind of like a it's a two people team. If I let her go, I'm back to you know kind of a one person a team. Like people will see me as a contractor mm-hmm. uh, again instead of uh, a consulting firm. Yep. So that really kind of uh, make me feel like, hey, I want to be a firm instead of like just a contractor individual. Yep. Um, so those thoughts really kept me. At, uh, not letting her go even though she's not you know meeting my standard and stuff and i still have to do a lot of stuff myself mm-hmm. and revealing her work even redo her work um mm-hmm. so eventually i i decided to let her go and i actually stopped with um uh, part-time people um, for a while before i um, move forward with with another person to become a full-timer
0: okay Alright, so things are going well, you're, you know, you're staffing up, uh, you're finding the right talent, you know, LinkedIn's loaded up for you, you're getting opportunities, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, does that kind of put this into the current day?
1: Yeah, yeah. So so right now, I would say, um, uh, because we are also open for subcontracting, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of, uh, you know, other consulting firms or, you know, other people uh, that that's tried to implement NetSuite or already live but need somebody to, to continue to support them because it's a big company mm-hmm. things always happen uh we're open to take on those um so it's it's me and i do have another full-timer right now i have a part-time developer and i'm actually trying to hire two new people uh one on the NetSuite side and i'm also opening all side. so i'm looking for somebody that can do a little bit of sales and also like a consulting.
0: Gotcha. For those that don't know, Odoo oh, is another ERP solution out there. Um, so yeah, this is this is amazing. And, you know, you kinda touched on the subcontracting element and you also touched on LinkedIn element. So I wanna again like free knowledge out there for people that maybe thinking about starting their own company. Um, you know, LinkedIn, if you if you aren't leveraging this tool, um, I hear people say all the time, like LinkedIn doesn't do anything, right? Like, you know. It tells me somebody to view my profile. Whoop to do that doesn't do anything for me. I'm like, if you're not if your profile's not up to date, if it's not robust, if you're not posting content out there about, you know, the things that you're passionate about, in your career, you're not leveraging the tool well. It's right. really just a big database that lets the world be able to search on your skill sets and find you specific like specific skill sets to you. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I found it to be such a great tool over the years. I was an early converter to LinkedIn. Uh, I started leveraging somewhere around like college. And for me, it was just fascinating to find out what people uh, did in their professional lives I played hockey with. Um, And from there, I've just leveraged it into, you know, now as an entrepreneur, it's a great way to network with other consulting firms uh, because tons of consulting firms don't have a project management element or business element, you know, business analyst element or uh, scrum masters or, you know, program managers. And that's why I sell, I try to fill that gap. Um, so I help implementation partners like you do their scope management, do their report outs, like all the things we talked about, especially when you're talking to a recovery project, these are things that need to be in place to manage the stakeholders, um, and make sure the delivery is happening in a, in a very concise, well-communicated transparent way. Um, but you know, I get call from other, uh, consulting firms that maybe need a temporary program manager or a project manager um, et cetera, uh, and vice versa, right? Like, or s- shared sets. maybe I got a client that's looking to do an ERP implementation. I may partner with April and together we're collectively attacking that project together, right? Like, um, so the sales, uh, challenge mm-hmm. sometimes is shared, right? Like, and you know, it's one of those things where a lot of sister companies understand that it's better to split large and you get the job done. And not have to go what they call it out into the wild to look for talent. Mm-hmm. versus like just leveraging the talent that you've already fostered. Yeah. That's part of your team. Um, you know, I, I think people have the concept of consulting as I define to find hundred percent of my work and sometimes it's referrals, sometimes it's, you know, through sending to other uh like I said, I'll call them sister companies or yeah. you know, companies that you just have great work and relationships with.
1: Yeah, for sure. So far, I don't think I have actively sold my business mm-hmm. uh, to anybody. All of them kind of, you know, they either find me from LinkedIn or um, like they fight me from like a staffing company or like through referrals like mm-hmm. from my my previous uh, employer who don't do an x-way anymore. Uh, all of my clients came that way. So, yeah. my, so my sales strategy has been just waiting and, uh, they came to me, that, that needs to change, but, you know, I need to be more active and be managing my pipeline and stuff. But, you know, historically that, that happened that way.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. You've been in business how long?
1: I actually, um, I helped off to take that, uh, that role in Chicago, that three miles contract yeah, in 2021. But I officially established the company, as Spier Consulting, March of last year. Okay. So it's um, slightly more than a year.
0: Nice. Congrats. Um, Almost two years. Yeah, almost two years, I was going to say. Congratulations on that. They say that first year is the hardest. So, you know, to be able to get past year one and, uh, you know, we're currently experiencing a recession. Uh, I know people don't want to admit that, but we're in the middle of a recession. Uh, you know, me personally, I've lived through a pandemic and that was year year two for me in business. And I was like, look, if I survive this pandemic, I can survive anything. That was that was my mentality at the time. Um, but yeah, though it's it's amazing. Uh tell the people what would you say was your biggest hurdle, you know, in the last two years and get this stood up.
1: Yeah, and it's my biggest hurdle is um Kind of scale up while maintaining my my standard so I actually uh, luckily i I personally know a lady uh we signed up for like a um, it's wsba like a women small business oh. accelerator they're nonprofit in central Ohio um both her and I sign up for the same class program mm-hmm. uh, it would become pretty pretty close and she has her own of a HR uh, DEI uh, consulting uh, practice, mm-hmm. and uh, you know she just like she has a really good kind of HR um, mm-hmm. foundation experience. So I partner up with her when I try to hire somebody. She's gonna do some interviews with me. Uh, she also suggested me to. Uh, kind of write something down about my standard. Okay. So I actually wrote something down about our white glove standard. So what I expect as like industry average, and this is what we have to uh, step above and beyond to be called ESphere white <clears throat> white glove standard. So I wrote that thing down, and for everybody that I hire and I train, um, we'll need to meet that standard uh, as our delivery. So um, with that, yeah, it gives me more confidence to, to bring people in. Um, I can train them to make sure they're on the right track to mm-hmm. meet the standard before I hand the laws. Uh, I do like to train people from kind of ground up. Mm-hmm. I either welcome people that with no next background, but strong accounting background, I welcome them and I can train them up. Um,
0: Makes sense. Yeah,
1: because the standard means more to me and reputation more than, you know, billable hours.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. I love it. Um, You know, um, kind of getting into the conversation here. What word of advice would you have to someone like yourself that's thinking about, you know, uh, jumping off the ledge, you know, if you were speaking to yourself back when I met you, what would you say to yourself or what advice would you give to yourself?
1: Wow, I would say um, I would say all I needed are really just like face, like face to myself and face to the the industry. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think back then what I lacked was really the face. Um, Sometimes um, sometimes you really need like the second voice to really tell you know like influence you like hey you're really ready sometimes it's kind of like a cost benefit analysis like for example uh i kept thinking um if i jump off and you know with that three month contract um uh, mm-hmm. i feel like it gives me enough time Like, if i don't find anything after that um can i find another job mm-hmm. um you know after after three months or with like a couple months of gap i think i can you know like for yeah for people uh, with my background? I think I can easily find another another job if I want to. Um, so really, kind of that cost benefit analysis uh, gave me more confidence about um hey, what if fail right so I, I still have a a backup. you know, worst case I just find another job that pays me 130k a year, which doesn't sound so bad. That's
0: such a bad lifestyle, <laughs> right. right? Like yeah, that's that's a dynamic thing when you realize that you know you're basic, right? like, is not such a bad lifestyle in the bigger scheme of American, you know, fabric, right? Like, or the world globally, you're like, okay, I need to take that risk because worst case scenario, I get a job, you know, to your point, you know, doing what I was doing before, which is again is a pretty good lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so no, I love that. Um, and I love the worst case scenario analysis because that's, I think most entrepreneurs kind of look at things that way of, okay, worst case scenario, where's my basement? Oh, I can live with that. Okay, let's take the risk, right? Like,
1: yeah.
0: Um, I hate to say that, I shouldn't say I hate to say it, that's been me for a long time. I, I literally look at my worst case scenario and at some point I realized that my worst case scenario is what used to be my ceiling when I first entered an adult. Yeah. Um, you know, my goals as an adult would have been something which you just described there. Maybe a middle management in corporate America, making somewhere between 90 and 120K a year, right? Like that would have been my adult bowls, right right as a, as a fresh out of college kid right like if that's my basement at this stage of my career not so bad right yeah i, I can live in that
1: I, i'm really glad that you brought that topic up but that's also something that i kept thinking about it's kind of like the whole life like our parents our grandparents or whoever like our teachers in school the whole training that we took mm. is with a goal that you're gonna be a good employee yeah you're gonna find a good good like full-time job like nobody really kind of uh even gave us the alternatives like hey I, I think you can also you know have your own company Like yeah. nobody train you as if you're gonna be um you know owner of a new company everybody trains you as if you're gonna be a good employee for somebody else yeah
0: so i was blessed with uh entrepreneurial parents so i saw that model uh, up close, um, I'm always amazed when someone that doesn't have the model is able to, to to connect those dots and make that leap of faith on their own. So I love hearing stories like, yours, where you're like, I'm in a foreign land, I'm speaking my second language, and here I am, like, you know, taking this massive leap of faith. But here's the steps that got me there, right? Like, I love yeah. hearing those stories, and I think it's inspirational for the listeners, for other people. To understand like the thought process and how you logically get there and what are kind of like the, the check marks and know that you're ready um you know one of the one of the things that me one of us said but was a trigger for me was enough people kept saying you're the best project manager i've ever seen and you know these are people that have had a whole it careers and i'm like how's that like i didn't really accept that at first i, I was like oh they're being nice right and i kept hearing it over and over again. And then. You know, people would give me feedback of you're one of the most well-spoken people I've ever heard, and you know, you deliver messages well. Um, people kept saying, "Oh, you get the bigger picture," and, and again, like solving problems where like you're eliminating jobs, like yeah. all these things came together. Where I was like, start of connecting the dots of I could probably add value in a different way different passing the traditional job, right? right. Um, so, no, I think that's excellent, uh, April. This has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, again, tell the people where they can find you, how they can get your services.
1: Yeah, so we're, again, Inspire Consulting, InSphere S-I-N-S-P-H-E-R-E. Um, so if you look me up on insphereconsulting.com uh, or just send an email to april at insphereconsulting.com, you will be able to find me.
0: Awesome. And of course, you can find April on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Chuck Scott. Uh, I'm the owner of Scott Q Consulting. We specialize in the PMO suite. Uh, project leadership, and delivery from a consultation standpoint. You uh, can find me on LinkedIn. My company is also on LinkedIn, Scott Q Consulting. Or you can find us online at uh, HTTPS colon backslash com. Uh, thanks for listening to today's podcast, um, hashtag PMIRL. Today we focused a little bit more on the entrepreneurial journey. Uh, I really thank my guest, April Wu, for joining us today and for really uh, inspire ERPs and just the entrepreneurial jewelry as a whole and really sharing her story. So thank you again. And uh, for thank the listeners. Yeah, my pleasure. And it, something tells me this will be the last time. Uh, and for the listeners, uh, obviously, you can find this on YouTube if you're watching the video or you can listen to us on all your major podcast forms. Uh, We're all continuing to produce content similar to this, talking about career advice, uh, entrepreneurial journeys, as well as project management principles and how they can be applied to everyday life. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe. And we look forward to more, more content similar to this.